Hey, Brian Phillips here. Welcome to the Grace Ops Podcast. It's an honor to have you part of our culture. We do ask that you would share this podcast, share our website, share the five-star charge, get some gear and apparel, help us spread the mission, the vision, and the passion of Grace Ops. Recently, I was in Lake Geneva. If you've been tuning in to the podcast, you know that we're on a um, little series here of five episodes with Dr. Ryan, Pastor Steve, Pastor Bob, and I. We got together to kind of break down the Ravi Zacharias scandal and extract what we can learn from it. How does the Bible put up safeguards? How can we build a band of brothers to help us live upright? How does the grace of God train us and equip us to renounce worldliness and and, and to, to extract out the darkness. I mean, God, Christ con- conquered darkness on the cross for us. Darkness literally has no authority over you, only the authority that you allow it to have. So in this episode, we'll be closing out this series, and we're looking at the pain of church leadership, church abuse, this phrase of uh, all the people were... People will use the Ravi Zacharias scandal just to add to one more reason why they don't go to church or to add to one more reason of how they've been hurt by the church or hurt by church leaders. And I share this all the time. I've been in the church culture for 25 years. And hands down, I've been hurt more in the church by people in the church literally than anywhere else in my life. So why have I not quit the church? I know a lot of pastors that have quit the church. I know church leaders that have said, forget this. Who needs this? I can just, the amount of energy I put into church work, I could make millions of dollars in the marketplace with the skill set that I have. Why do I stay in the church culture? One, because God called me there. And two, I can't quit because, you know, God hasn't quit the church. Until God quits his purpose for his church, his people in the earth, then neither can I. So how do we navigate church pain and still love the gatherings of the saints? How do we not tune out and just check it off the list and you know shrug our shoulders at it, the whole can- cancel culture kind of approach? I don't want to just cancel church and cancel this, cancel that. But how do I engage something that maybe did hurt me at one time? How do I try that again? So we, as a band of brothers, we look at this in this final episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Again, I've been saying this not from a point of pure joy or happiness, but you enjoy it from a point of learning, looking into your own heart. And always remember to live upright. Expedition 44, here with some of my best friends in life. We've got Bob over here, Brian, and Steve. We're on a Grace Ops initiative together. We've been talking about Robbie Zacharias and how it filters into living a life set apart. We've talked about having red flags in ministry. We've talked about what happens when you're past the red flags. And we're finishing with one that hits a little closer to heart. All of us are involved in in full-time ministry this is what our, our heart is for, is to see lives change for the kingdom of God. And so you have somebody such as Ravi Zacharias. He's not the only one. There's been a lot of guys like that that have professed to not only be living clean, holy, upright lives, but have kind of set the bar of Christianity. He's, in this case, it's a person that's 
unapologetically gone out and said, this is why Christianity and God works. And then you come to find out that everything that he was saying was completely fake. I have no place for a Ravi Zacharias book in my library anymore. Even though there were some great things that came about it, and I do know people that he, he brought them to the place where they could start their journey with God. There were great things that happened, but this is what we're going to talk about today. What happens when everything comes crumbling down? What do we do with that? There's so many people hurt by the church today, hurt by the idea of Christianity, and this is not God. This is not Jesus. This is a marred-up world that we live in. Indeed. One of my uh, one of my ministry mentors uh, <clears throat> was is uh, I used to work for a TV ministry, and he's he's a great uh, ministry person. But I'm not going to say their name because of, of stories like this. <laughs> is that their ministry lost? Um, I think it was 58 percent of their income when uh, it was either Jimmy Swaggart or James Baker, whichever one, fell. Yeah. And so here another ministry fell. And their ministry, which they he had nothing to do with, I mean, they obviously kind of ran in the same circles, but the person that I've worked for has never had a single moral failure of any kind in their ministry. Their ministry is 50, I think 52 years into being a ministry so for 52 years never had a single moral failure has always been very very holy and in lifestyle in language all these kind of things and their ministry lost 56 or 58 percent of their income because this other ministry fell and here's what here's the thing that we all need to understand is that um when a person at the the top of some kind of christianity when they fall this is what people use as an excuse right for their reasons to not go hard for God, to not be passionate about the things of God. You know, I hear this term, and we're going to get into this, but church hurt. And so I've had so many people come to, well, I've been church hurt. I've got church hurt from the past. And I finally got to the place where the, the last time someone said something to me about church hurt, I said, so what do you mean? Do you mean like the church, you were walking by the church on the sidewalk with your dog minding your own business? And the roof fell off and slapped you in the face, and now you've got scarred for life because of a shingle? What do you mean by church hurt? Well, no, you know, this person... Okay, okay, okay. So this person in the church... Okay, so if that person is a pastor or a leader, I get that. You trusted them, you, you depended on them to do the right thing uh, with your heart, with your family, whatever, and they used it for their own good or their own manipulation or, or to kind of justify something in their lives. Or oftentimes it's more this way, some other person in the church that you were close with, that you were friends with, they ended up having a moral failure or they ended up abusing you or hurting you in some way. And so now because of that, you think that you're justified to completely exit the system because one person or maybe a few people did something wrong. And it's such, it is such immaturity. And it's also such arrogance to think that you're going to accomplish outside what the Lord specifically said could only be done inside. Yeah. He said, my ecclesia was going to keep the gates of hell at bay. Not my Christians, right. not my individuals, but my group together, my ecclesia was what was going to accomplish what I needed them to accomplish based upon the revelation of Jesus Christ being the rock, the Petra of salvation. I think when, when a Ravi 
situation happens and when he falls, and what a great fall it was, the enemy uses that to reinforce every type of church problem and church error and the church is money hungry and they're hypocrites and all these little fragmented headlines and pains and aches. Because I say this to people a lot. I wasn't raised in church. My mom and dad took me there every now and then. I wasn't raised in like every Sunday kind of church culture. I gave my life to Christ when I was 17, and I, this is my story. I've been hurt more in the church by pastors and leaders and people who weren't than anywhere else. I mean, like, you know, like the church is a community we're supposed to be, and we're so far from the moorings of that biblical worldview of the church actually being a community of mothers and fathers. We're so far from that. We turn into some kind of spectator thing, and, you know, the lectern's in the middle, and one person mm-hmm. speaking to the masses, and it's such a Greek I'm not saying it's all bad, but it's not necessarily how Jesus did it. It's oh, not right. how you always learn. So what? how can we tinker and make the church better? There is a lot of church pain, a lot of church hurt. It's run by humans. There's no perfect yep. church. And like when a Ravi falls, it can reinforce the dark view of the church in a culture. And just it, it, it just gives the guy you know that could care less about church anyway five more reasons why he tells his wife he's not going to go. Oh, look at that hypocrite. He's up there. Because, you know. On the flip side of like what Dr. Ryan was saying earlier, you know, I agree with him 100%, but there's a tension too. I agree. Let's take his book off my shelf. But the other side of it goes, what he put in his book was actually pretty good stuff. It was really good stuff. You know what I mean? Like the dude dude had a gift from God. Like, and that's the thing with the gifts of God are irrevocable. And our character was off. We weren't tethered to the ancient path or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, we lost communication with God, but that gift he gave me. You know, we all can be prone to that. You know, Absolutely. we can function in a gift that is actually not connected to our character got disconnected somewhere. And then it's not God-honoring as much as it could be. It loses its power. So the struggle that we're defining is that to a certain extent, by the world standards, every person in church is a hypocrite. <laughs> You're walking in and every person is struggling with sin, but God is in their life. Right. But how do you, what's the difference between that person and when you get to a picture of Robbie Zacharias and you go, nothing, I, I can't take anything that he had anymore because it's all tarnished in the name of God. And, and it's kind of hard because Robbie was a parachurch guy. Yeah. And then you, but if you're looking at the local church, you know, we're kind of looking at two different spectrums a little yep. bit. And we're, we're making a, a similarity out of it. What happens when the local church steps over the line of actual church abuse? What are those mm-hmm. lines and what, what's going on? Because our... My church, The Grove, is actually so passionate, and Grace Ops kind of carries that same evangelism and discipleship focus. We're so passionate about reaching people and then making disciples that it can feel, it can probably feel like we're trying to control you. Intrusive. You know, yeah, intrusive, like weird, because every other church you can go to, inch deep, mile wide style church, so I call it the Clapping Monkey Church, right? The circus. <laughs> and it's like, you, you're getting entertained, but you're not getting challenged. You're, you're, you're not getting, there's no standard of the gospel in the community. And so I, it's, it's, you know, that's not abuse, though. That's, this, it's not abuse to come to you and say, hey, you know, I, I think you should pray every day. Or, hey, you should get married. You two yeah. are living together. You guys should get married. You know, that's not abuse. Abuse is like when we start telling you how to spend your money and who right, you can right, marry. Right. And, like, that gets cultic. How much like, are you tithing? What, what are your offerings? But leaders abuse people. Serving. Leaders yeah. abuse people. Yeah. And, and this how, thing. How do, you, how, do you get, how, do you, how do you get around? How do you get through that without quitting the church forever? So this is the <laughs> thing. This, is, this is so important that Brian brought this up because... Um, we are, you know, I, I pastor a church too, Bob, Bob and I are in a church, this beloved church, and we are crazy involved with discipleship. Yeah. Like It is a major, yeah. major aspect of who we are. 
And I cannot tell you how many people are like, hey, 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 hey. You know, you guys are like really wanting to be involved with people's lives. And that's yes. kind of not where I'm at. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. Go down to the, the church a block away and go sit there and get your three points in a poem. Yep. Don't get, let nothing goes into your life and go on and pretend like you're a part of the body. You're obviously not, but go on and pretend. And so then you got other people that show up on our doorstep like, oh my God, I am so glad that finally somebody is really, truly discipling. And it's because they came out of what Brian said, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide. And and the people that are resisting it are probably some of the people that need it the most. You need someone in your P's and Q's to be involved with what's going on in your life. And this is something that... um, if everybody had done it, you know, imagine Jesus walking up to Peter and say, Hey, Peter, can you stop by for an hour a week? Can you, can you swing by my house for an hour a week? I'll give you a cool little sermonette. I'll tell you the cool things about the kingdom of God. And then you can go back to fishing. Just go fish all you want. Just stop by the house for an hour a week. It would never happen. He literally walked up to these guys and said, Quit your business. Follow. You're not going to be around your family for the next three and a half years. Everything you've been doing no longer goes anymore. You need to die, take up your cross, and follow me. And you know, a bunch of people said no. A bunch of people came to Jesus and said, nope, I can't do it. Rich young ruler, um, a bunch of people said, you know, in, in Luke chapter 17, the Lord gave all of these examples about people where he said, hey, you need to come and be a disciple. Well, I just married a wife. Right. I don't have time to be a disciple. I just married a wife. I just bought a yoke of oxen. I just bought a new property. I need to go check it out. And he literally used these as examples as to why these folks were not capable of being true disciples of his. And I think the painful thing of this whole topic that we're on, and I, you know, we have to walk this road really carefully. So I'll say this first. One, I haven't quit the church, and I have every reason to quit the church as far as the church as a gathering. Not the church as a building, the actual collective people of God. I have every reason. I have every hurt, pain. I could make myself a victim. I could make myself, you know, oh, this guy, that guy. But I'm not serving. I'm not in the community of God for that man's sake. I'm in this community of God for God's sake. Right. And so until I see Christ quit on what he's doing in the church, right. I can't quit either. I can't just sit on the sidelines. I've got to be involved yeah. to help bring the reformation the church needs. Because that's the painful thing I've seen all these years, two decades more of church culture is I see the ideas of man through religion um, enforced over a group of people, these ideals that when you really start to tinker with them and get into them, you don't even find them that strong in the scriptures. You, you, this behaviors and the way people think and the way they try. Like, I'll give you a quick example. There was a guy who was a top leader of a denomination. Um, he was one of the main regional leaders. He left his iPad at the district headquarters they found the iPad, opened it up, and it had porn on it. He, he forgot to turn his password on. So he opened it up, and it was like he had Googled some bad words, and all the pictures were there. So and this guy's been in a – he was in a community for 20-some years. So what they do is they, they take the Ivory Tower Police Department down to his church, and they basically expose the guy and pretty much remove him and rip him out. And when I heard that story, my heart was so painful. Now, I didn't know all this deadline, the details, so I went to the main guy who did it, the, the, the superintendent guy the leader of the, all of them. And I said, why did we do that? I'm like, the guy had been there for 25 years. Why did we just throw his whole name and his ministry and his character? We just ripped him out of his life source. I'm like, you know, is there not sin in your life anywhere? I mean, like, you know, where, where do we just rip people out because of this? I'm like, where did, where did we help me see where we did Galatians 6.1? 
Let me see where we gently try to restore him. Because I'm like, I think you could have probably restored the guy behind closed doors and maybe never never had to be a headline. Yeah. Never had to be a removal from the ministry. It's like, that's one of the reasons why there's a problem when it comes to sin in the church is the leaders get stuck. The leaders get pinned in. Who the heck do I talk to? When are they going to come? Are they going to come? They're going to send in the ivory tower police to, to remove me from my my life source and how I provide for my family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. th- this is a painful topic because I run into so many people that have church pain, church hurt. You know, and obviously Brian and I are probably kind of dominating this conversation a little bit, but because we're pastors, like we deal with this all it's the painful. time with these, with people that are hurt or people that are, that are shying away from you because they don't want you to hurt them. You know, one of the things that, that I've thought about incessantly on this particular topic is people are way, way more committed to uh, their gym membership than they are to honestly their wife their spouse or their church True. to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I, you know, I've worked out for most of my life and, and so I've had tons of gym memberships to do it. You know, I can go to a gym and do something wrong, make a mistake, a little tiny itty bitty mistake and tweak a muscle and not be able to work out for a month. Right. But I still go back to the gym. Yep. Like I get it sorted. I figured out, I still go back to the gym because that $15 a month is really important to me. But yet my wife would hurt me a little bit in average Christianity. I'll just dump her and get another one. I don't need to be committed to her. She hurt me. Don't you know? I've been hurt by my wife, so I can just divorce her and go get another one. Well, I've been hurt by the church. And so I can just divorce Jesus. I don't even need a church. I'll just sit at home and read my Bible by myself. Oh, isn't that convenient that you have a Christianity that you get to design and you get to determine the parameters and all those verses that tell you how to do it, those don't actually apply to you. That's just to someone else that's way less holy and way less spiritual than you. The fact is, is that most people are way more committed to their gym membership, to Walmart, and to McDonald's than they are to their marriage, their covenant of marriage and their covenant of blood with Jesus. Because when McDonald's gives you bad service, you keep going back. And when the people at Walmart offend you because 450 pound people in yoga pants offends the heck out of me, but I still go to Walmart because I need the goods and the services that they provide and I give them my money. And the fact is I can't get past being hurt or being offended at a church because I'm more committed to Jesus than Walmart or McDonald's? Come on now. You know, and some of that revolves around the lack of intimacy being taught across the body of Christ. Right? Because if you're in true intimacy with Jesus in that genosco relationship that we all need to be in and we all desire to be in, it all of a sudden lessens the fact that it's all about me at all. I got to be involved with that body because it's not about me. It's about him, yeah. right? It's not about consuming. Yes. So we're being the body parts we were perfectly and wonderfully created to be to exalt his name and to advance the light into the darkness, to, to bring others into that kingdom. And that doesn't allow a place for hurt then to enter. Now, does that mean you can't get ticked off at somebody? Well, of course. Yeah, they stubbed my toe. They kicked me. They spit on me. Whatever. <laughs> Guess what? It's not about me. It's all about him. And the and one of the things that really irks the heck out of me is that because some other church or some other minister did some terrible thing to you, now I have to live with the guilt or the shame as Pastor Steve Castle at Beloved Church. Okay, so another church hurt you. Sucks for you. Yeah. Super super sorry that that happened. Honestly, I have a bunch of empathy and compassion yes. for you. But for you to project that onto me, mm-hmm. yeah, right. 
for you to for you to project that onto Brian because he's just the next church. Like that doesn't work in your marriage. Let's say you had a bad relationship before you're in the one you're in now, and you're in the kitchen with your wife, and you say, "Well, you know, my other ex-wife used to cook meatloaf this way." Hey, you, how well is that going to go over? You, you think you're going to be super intimate tonight? No, 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 no. You are going to the couch. And, <laughs> and you don't get to do that in natural life. You, you don't do that in, in nearly any other place of your life. How right. dare you do it in the church? I get it. There's bad churches. I get it. There's bad ministries. I get it. Ravi Zacharias was terrible in his example in Christianity. Yeah, for sure. And I can also give you a thousand Examples of people that are real, authentic, genuine, and holy, and here's four of them. Yep. And so I get it, Robbie's bad, but you don't get to say it's all bad. Just like you don't experience something good and say right. it's all good. Right. You yep. are a grown up and you understand you have a judgment and a discernment that's been given to you by God to walk into an environment and say, All right, Ryan's the real deal. And so I'm going to go ahead and follow that. And if I get any indicators that something's out of alignment, I'm either A, going to talk to him, or I'm B, going to follow what the Father might be leading me to do, which is to find someone that is really authentic and genuine. But I don't get to give up the search. See, in, in a lot of times, those revelations that, we're just going to stay with Dr. Ryan for a minute, he may say something to me that's revelatory that may put my head sideways. I may be emoji face for a moment, but does that mean I... You made me uncomfortable, brother. I'm out. Yeah. I'm missing that. Yeah. I want that. I'm missing that then, right? Because revelation will make you uncomfortable when you first grab the revelation that came to somebody else. Yeah. For sure. Well, and we're talking about Robbie and his abusive um, practice of leadership over people. Yeah. And so right. if you're... You know, there's all different kind of water levels of this, right? So, you know, you might not like certain things, but we're talking about the heavy hitting stuff where you might be, we're talking about abuse at the level, now, or at least I'm bringing this to, to a focus here, that abuse at the level, an abusive leader will always twist the scriptures. They will always manipulate what they, in, for and, them. Yeah, and, right. and, and they can only do that to a people who don't know the scriptures. I mean, think about that, right? Like, right. you know, I not to pick on the Catholic Church, but I ask a lot of Catholics, what does your priest tell you to read the Bible? 90, 90 95%, oh, maybe 99% no say no. no and, and, you know, so it's just kind of like that whole uh, spiritual abuse of power can come into a people that don't know their constitution. I mean, the Bible. That's my <laughs> 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 parallel. Right? I just did that. <laughs> you know, like, that was part of... Just parallel that, was, that right there. <laughs> that was part of my message yesterday. <laughs> then I, I literally did the the balance there, where Jesus in the Great Commission basically said, "We the people," and He gave us a government. And I paralleled it to the Constitution, where obviously the Constitution starts off with "We the people," and we are in charge of the government. But the reason that I made that parallel and I made that comparison is exactly for what Brian said. Yeah. If you don't know your rights, they can be easily taken from right. you. If you don't know what your nature is, then someone else can tell you what your nature is. If you don't know your value, then someone can come and take your value away. And that's one of the reasons that these things can happen. You know, if everybody in America, for sure, if you quit giving to the hypocrites on TV, the hypocrite pastors on TV, the hypocrite ministers on TV, the ones that are using the pictures of the kids in Africa with flies crawling on their faces, if you quit giving money to them, you know they'd just go away? Mm -hmm. 
a lot of the spiritual abuse, a lot of the leadership abuse that's taking place, at least in the body of Christ, is because we fund it. Right. Because we don't actually do the right thing, which is research and make sure that they are serving well. You know, the Bible says that the ones that serve well among you are worthy of double honor. Yeah. And I, I've literally ministered to people in our church mm -hmm. and spent tens, hundreds of hours sometimes ministering to individuals that probably, I don't know, I don't check the finances, but maybe don't give us any money or give us very little, and then they'll give TV preacher $1,000 a week. Yeah. And I'm like... You know, the reason everything is so so out of balance because we are not doing the simple things that are already highlighted and outlined in, in the scripture. Yeah, yeah. I want to finish this series with uh, going to Luke 7. This is Luke 7, and I'll start at verse 38. It says, And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with her hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with perfume. So what's the situation here is Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's home for dinner to sit at his table and eat with him. And he might have been getting set up. We don't really have that right. whole thing, you know. But he sits down and this woman comes to him. And, and in verse 37, it uses the word sinner. Well, in Greek, that kind of meant immoral woman. I'll uh, just let your, your, you get the picture. And so it says, now the Pharisees who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman who is touching him, that he is a sinner. So from this point, this, this girl's coming in, this woman of not good reputation. She's touching his feet, which in the culture was extremely erotic. She's letting her hair down. I mean, even in our culture, this picture is... Kind of like a massage therapist. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go there. Submissive position. All this going on, and and Simon that you know basically said, surely this man is not a prophet. I think to everybody at the dinner table, they're wondering about hypocrisy during this story. They're they're looking at this and going. Is this man a, a hypocrite? We're going to have this beautiful woman come down and kind of seduce him. Right. Now what's crazy is look at the way this ends. I'm going to I'm going to go after his parable of the two debtors. I'm going to jump down to verse 49. It says, "Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins?" Now, look at verse 50. And the woman and and he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." There's something spiritually going on between this woman and Jesus, which to the which to Simon and the Pharisees who might have set him up here, this doesn't look religious. This doesn't look churchianity to us. Yet what was going on was kingdom work. God, God, God was looking past the wrapping on the outside of this and and really ministering to the forgiveness of sins in a way that we can't do that. Jesus can only do that. Today, we look at the church and a lot of things sometimes, we don't know what to do with them. We, we don't know if, if this is right, wrong, halfway in between. And what we want to do is be judgmental and condemning of it. Yet at the same time, I hope that you're involved in a church that you believe in. Right. This is half the problem. Is yeah. Too many people yeah. have put themselves in churches that aren't good. They're, they're there for the show or the, the song and the dance or the feel good or whatever. They're not part of something where real kingdom work, right. Jesus work is happening. And because of that, they can't quite bring themselves 
to kingdom thinking. It's that glazed donut and yeah. monkey butt powder church. Yeah. It's skinny jeans and fog machines. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere, right? But they're not treat. They're not teaching true scriptural journey with Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really watered down horribly. <laughs> there's a, um, there, there's, there's so many things that. Um, one of my mentors said, I wish that every Christian had to pastor for at least 10 minutes. Because there, there would be a whole perspective change that would take place from the fact that, you know, when you are the pastor and how you have to do things <clears throat> is different than sometimes what the perspectives are. Sure. And I tell people in our church all the time, I said, hey, if you're coming here and you're hunting something that you don't like... <laughs> found it yeah. here it is if you're looking for something that you don't like that's yeah. bad that maybe don't fit your th here it is I, I'm telling you right now but if you came here and your heart is to search and to seek for the right things I, can, I can't tell you how many people I've seen physically healed spiritually healed how many marriages we've seen reconciled we literally just not that long ago did a, a, a vow renewal service for yeah. a jacked up couple by the world standard yeah um, I you know that so we and our church is growing and people are coming from miles and miles around to come be a part of this and at the same time there's people some people are quitting yeah so what's the what's the balance here how can some people be in our church and their marriages yeah. are being healed right. and they're growing and they're developing and then some other couple not that long ago sends me an email tells me I'm a terrible pastor and they quit and now they're divorced yeah. So, so what's the difference here? But it's, well, your, it's your fault that the divorce. It's my fault. <laughs> and, and it probably eventually it'll come out that well, if Steve would have been a better pastor. You know, Preach here's me. the thing: Jesus was the perfect pastor, right? Yeah. And one right. twelfth of his church, Judas, literally crucified him. What about the seventy that walked away from him? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not about the perfect church or the perfect pastor because Jesus was the perfect church and Jesus had the perfect pastor and there was a bunch. Of dysfunctional activity yep. that was taking place around him. Yep. It's about you individually in your heart. If you come in humble and submitted, and you understand the scriptures and what your identity is in Christ, or at least you're pushing into those things, the Father will even maybe make it so that maybe you're the only healthy person in that yeah. church. But it's because you came there with the right heart, doing the right thing. Now, in bringing this in, these guys all work at a church. I don't, so I'm going to go on a limb here for a second. You won't find a pastor that will tell somebody, leave your church and come to my church. It doesn't happen. They build up the kingdom that way. Those are bad pastors, right? But here's what I'm going to say, and, and, and I'm going to take you guys off the hook there. If you're part of a church like we're describing, <laughs> leave. Get out of there. Ryan <laughs> said it. <laughs> and find a church that preaches the word of God. If, if you're leaving more than two Sundays in a row saying, I didn't learn anything, I wasn't challenged, I, was I, I, didn't, I, I didn't get something out of the text that I wasn't aware of or I didn't know before I came to church this Sunday. If you didn't worship in a way that you've never worshipped before, leave. Get, there's, find a Bible church that's preaching the word of God, that's challenging by the spirit of God, and that's really the core of this Robbie Zacharias message. Absolutely. Surround yourself with Amen. people that have authentic relationships based in scripture, <laughs> which is your local church, that are going to encourage you and walk with you every step of the way, that make it near impossible to not see the red flags as they come and the people that will battle for you 
when you find out that you're in more than just a red, few red flags that won't let you continue to live that kind of a life. Yeah. That you might be lifted up out of your grave into righteous living on the journey. Set apart, committed 100% to godly living. May God bless you and keep you. Thank <laughs> you.